Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Um, but for now, we're going to pick up where we left off last week and talking about authentic leadership. And remember last week, we, we dialed in sort of what those two words meant and in the word authentic and leadership, what we're really talking about is discipleship, and we wish that would become a more normative kind of word for leadership, discipleship. We're all, because leadership is about people, and we're all people, and we're all trying to follow Jesus, and uh, we're all um, learning what it means to be like him. Uh, We're apprenticing under Jesus, as it were. We're following him. He's who we're gathered around this morning. And so we talked about three kind of things to keep in mind that someone who, uh, what it feels like to be leading an authentic life. It feels like a life that's not hurried. Remember, we talked about hurry and how we're to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. We, we, we said that um, if idle, you know, it's been said that idle hands are, are the devil's workshop or playground. We said if that's true, then you, then you don't want to see a hurried life. Hurried hands are like the devil's amusement park. And hurried hands are like the devil's factory line, you know. So we, we eliminated hurry from our lives. How did you all do at that this past week? Pretty good, okay, really good, no hurry, okay, okay, all right. Uh, we, so we, we got after what it means to be an authentic disciple of Jesus, an authentic leader. And today, um, please, please forgive me, because we're going to talk about the means for becoming. Remember last week we talked about um, not bringing a list of things to do, but rather uh, authentic leadership or authentic discipleship of Jesus is more about who we're becoming. People will follow who you are rather than what you do. In some cases, we get it backwards. But Jesus talked about if the fruit, if the tree is good, the fruit will be good as well. So Jesus is really about getting underneath the core of what we do to who we are. He's always speaking to the center of who we are, identity, and from that place we bear fruit as leaders, as disciples, of followers of Jesus. And a lot of this stuff in both talks is, is not my own. I have very little of my own material, as I like to say, and I also know where to find good stuff. And so that's like one of my skills. It's like a spiritual superpower. I know where to find good stuff. And so today uh, and last week, a lot of this stuff is coming from a guy named Dallas Willard, who I deeply admire, Um, just lived a, a wonderful life following Jesus and I don't know, do we call him Uncle Dallas or do we call him Papa Dallas? He's, one, he's Papa, yeah. So Dallas Willard, there's loads of research, uh, loads of resources online for you to find about Dallas Willard and transformational living, the renovation of the heart, and authentic leadership. All you have to do is Google Dallas Willard and authentic leadership, and you'll be seeing the same things that I've been kind of soaking in over the past month. Um, And Dallas Willard says this, he says, The greatest challenge the church faces today is to be authentic disciples of Jesus. And by that I mean they're learning from him how to live their life as he would live their life if he were they. Isn't that great? 
Let's say it again. The greatest challenge of the church, that the church faces today in our day and age is to be authentic disciples of Jesus. And by that, he means they're learning from him how to live their life as he would live their life if he were they. A lot of times, we approach Jesus, as I just said, we want to be more like him, right? And that's like the, the modus operandi in the church. But uh, what Dallas Willard w- would say if he were standing here before you is he would say we've got it backwards. Jesus already lived his life. He knows what that's like. He's trying to live his life through you. And so a disciple is somebody who's learning from Jesus how to live their life as he would live their life if he were they. And so part two, we're going to talk about doing versus being a little bit. He's also famous, Dallas Willard, for saying grace is opposed to earning. It is not opposed to effort. That one is a big one for us to grab hold of, especially in the church in the United States today, where we are so grace, grace, grace heavy. Please don't hear legalism today, because we're going to drift into the world of spiritual disciplines. It's not a dirty word. Discipline is not a dirty word. Spiritual practices, rather, because we're going to get at what it means, the means for becoming. How do we do this? How do we become authentic people? A lot of times when we talk about the spiritual journey with Jesus, it's sort of like this pie-in-the-sky kind of vague thing, and no one really knows how to do it, when that's not the way we treat every other thing in our lives. Only with God, for some reason, we're like, I don't know how it just kind of happens. But there are things, there are practices that are tried and true That the little voice, the Holy Spirit says, walk in the way. The way is good. These are tried and true practices over the centuries since the time of Jesus. In fact, this is how Jesus lived his life that we're going to get at. The means for becoming. Grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. Discipleship. And that is a great definition if you want to to jot that down of what discipleship is, because we're all here this morning. If we claim Jesus as Lord, we're disciples, we're apprentices. And I just love his definition. If you you wanted to make a disciple, how would you go about doing that? You know, very basic questions we need to be asking of ourselves and asking of Jesus if we claim him as Lord. How How would, if we wanted to do that, To make disciples, how would you make one? How would one go about making a disciple? If you wanted to be one, how would you go about being a disciple? A disciple is simply someone who's learning from Jesus. Simply learning from Jesus. Apprenticing under him. In other words, we're learning to live in the kingdom of God. Learning to live in the kingdom of God. None of us have this thing figured out. We're all novice. We're all approaching this thing as beginners, as students, as apprentices, as disciples. We have nothing figured out. Jesus, show us the way. That's the heart of a disciple. Jesus, show us the way this morning. And so a lot of this stuff on authentic leadership and authentic discipleship 
um, is based in the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes, Jesus is preaching. In Matthew 5, we, we read, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the work, he, uh, the earth. He says, Blessed are, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they, they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets they, uh, who were before you. And in Luke 6, it's another kind of version of this, we read the same thing about blessing those who curse you. And this is, as an example, what we're after in authentic discipleship or authentic leadership. Jesus is communicating all of these things to us and who we're becoming. And it's our job as disciples to figure out how we become them. To learn from him, how do, how do we do, how do you bless those who curse you? We have all kinds of equipping classes and conferences and revivals, but not once have I, uh, have I been to a conference in my whole journey of following Jesus, 20 plus years, have I been to a conference, uh, like a, a week-long retreat or a conference on how to bless those who curse me? Not once, have you? You won't find one in America. But Jesus is saying, blessed are you when you learn how to pick up this rhythm of like when people say all kinds of evil things about you. Jesus is, is asking us within that, blessed are you uh, who, who bless those who curse you. He's asking you, are you becoming the type of person who blesses folks when, when not if, when they say all sorts of evil things about you? But yet we have no idea how to become that type of person. Yeah, I mean, that would be a great weekend equipping class. If someone wanted to take that up in Vineyard Cleveland, I would be there taking notes. Should we do like model? Should we do role play at that conference? That would be really difficult. Okay, now you curse that person, and they'll practice blessing you when you curse. The, and okay, now switch. <laughs> you know, like how does that work? But, but you know what I'm saying? Like we don't know how to do these things, and Jesus is like, this is what it means that you are becoming the type of person who blesses those who curse you. That you're becoming the type of person that. That, um, that knows how to navigate lust in your heart you, and, and give that to Jesus. And you're becoming the type of person who doesn't lust. It, it, sin becomes slop to you. It becomes garbage to you because you've tasted so much better. We're becoming the type of people who who don't set up money as an idol in our lives. Generous people. You know, this, that's what the whole Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, that's what Jesus is driving at. Not how, how do we not do those things, but how do we become the type of people who follow Jesus to where those aren't even issues anymore. You see what I'm saying? Weekend equipping class. 
Blessing those who curse you. Oh, I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. So these practices, what we do is we say, we begin to do these things, and it's going to be super difficult as we do them. But as we do them, we find a new power that comes into our life. And we'll talk about these a little bit. Uh, We have to get ourselves first, foundationally, before we talk about the disciplines. We have to get ourselves oriented around the gospel of the kingdom. Because that was Jesus' central message. This is where Jesus is coming from when he says all of these things. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, etc. Where he's coming from is the foundational level of the rule and reign of God here on the earth. That was Jesus' central message. A lot of people, when you ask them what was the central message of Jesus, you may get a variety of different answers. Some people say, well, Jesus was all about forgiveness. You see, he, he died on the cross, the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, other people might say the central message of Jesus was love. He died for us, John 3, 16. Uh, other people might say the central message of Jesus was to forgive, to not judge others. You know, that's a really important thing. But the central message of Jesus was the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God. It's listed more often in the New Testament than any other message that Jesus gives. And so we have to get our hearts oriented around a larger gospel, quite frankly, than what's being preached in a lot of churches today. Bless you. A gospel that encompasses this. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom, it's all there. The kingdom, when the kingdom is preached, this is the basis for transformation. If the gospel is not preached, you can kiss transformation transformation goodbye. Nothing will change. Nothing will change. If the gospel of the kingdom is not preached, nothing changes. And so the challenge there for me is, one, as a pastor and um, someone who gives messages, am I preaching the gospel of the kingdom? For us, what it means is, are we as a community uh, orienting our hearts around a larger gospel, the gospel of the kingdom? You see, the small gospel is that, well... um, Grace is ours. We did nothing to deserve it. And after we die, we go to heaven. And that's true. Yes. Everybody should be like, yes, I did nothing to deserve being here this morning. I did nothing to deserve being called a son or daughter of God. That's amazing. That's good news to us. But that's only Part of the good news, the good news is the good news, uh, the full phrase. See, we, we Americans, we like to shorten everything. We abbreviate everything. It's not just the good news. That phrase is the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Ah, doesn't that just settle? Because that's what Jesus preached. That's what he lived. That's what he walked. The, the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. The rule and reign of God is coming here on the earth. And we, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, get the extreme privilege and honor of ushering that in, in our day, in our age, 
goodness gracious, that's a gospel I want to orient my heart around. Anything else just falls too short, too low, not enough. The gospel of the kingdom of God. So we have to get our hearts oriented around that first. And where the kingdom is not preached, there will be no transformation. Nothing will change. Where the gospel is preached, there will be transformation. I, I talk with a lot of people. I'm on the phone. Mike says I'm, my phone is like attached to my hand at times. I'm talking to people. I'm texting people. And solitude and silence frees me, sets me free. Jesus sets me free from sort of the attachment to things. Sometimes in pastoral ministry, and you might feel this in your vocation or your field, you feel the pressure of other people's expectations. Well, you should be this way. You should be doing these things, whatever your profession is. When we practice the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude, we get free from those attachments of other folks' expectations over us. Watch how this works. So in February, I, I got away for a week. And I went to Florida, and I said about 30 words the whole week. And those words were, I'll have the fried shrimp and a beer, please. Over and over again. And that's about all the words I said. You know, and I'd call the kids and Sarah at night, and they were super gracious with me. Around about Tuesday, I said, hey, I just want to try this out. For like a day or two, can I just have like no communication with even, I love you and I love the kids, but I just want to be completely silent. I don't want to communicate. I just want to be with the Lord. And she was very gracious, and she said, sure, that's no problem. It'll be really difficult not hearing your voice for 24 hours. I miss you so much. <laughs> but I think we're going to be okay not hearing from me. I think you are really important, but I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> And so we did that, and, um, you know, then as silence starts to flood over you, you begin to ask, uh-oh, uh, 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 what's happening? No one's talking to me. I'm not talking. Am I, am I okay here? You know, Dallas Willard says, in silence, we hear the, echo, the echoes of eternity blow in our face. When we eliminate noise in our life, when we go to be by ourselves, there's something special that the Lord deposits into your life. I hope you never hear me as a pastor say, you need to work harder or do more things. I hope the only, and I've learned as a pastor that I should never give advice. It's the worst thing. But if I were to give advice, I, I hope that you only hear, take a day and rest. Take a day and do nothing. Do nothing. Take a nap. Do you know naps can be a spirit? We should add naps to spiritual disciplines. That would be a discipline of engagement, I think. Napping. 
Some of you need to get away from attachments and nap all day. And then have a wonderful night's sleep on top of that as icing on the cake. Take a nap. Now, you don't have to do what I did um, and go away for a week. I would start with like three hours. Make it comfortable. You don't have to be uncomfortable in these situations. Make it comfortable for you to be alone, just to be alone for three hours, to dial down. You know what starts happening? I don't know about how this is for you, but, you know, around about day three in Florida, when I was in Florida, when I was a little kid, I used to talk to myself out loud. Do you guys talk to yourself out loud? It's very healthy. You should try it. And you start referring to yourself as we. Hey, we should go over and fish that. Hey, we should, like, who am I talking to? Around about day three, that, that inner conversation, again, starts to reemerge in our lives. And that's a gift. You see? That inner dialogue starts to, and then you say, wait a second, I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking with the Lord. And I'm in his presence. And he's, li- he's leading me. And that's how you know you're starting to cut some of these attachments, these expectations. And this is something that is not from left field. This is something that's grounded in the pages of Scripture from the very beginning. And it's something that Jesus practiced often. Often. In Luke 5.16, just a chapter before the Beatitudes and what we were reading, we read in Luke, the good doctor Luke tells us that Jesus often, often, here frequently, withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus went to lonely places and prayed. At the very beginning of the book, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he was doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Somebody say, all all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all, there it is, the work of creating that he had done. Genesis 2, 2 through 3. Listen, God will not compete for your attention. And the things that you make time for in your life, if Evan, if stranger things are really important to you and binging that TV, God will not be like, hey, pay attention to me. He's so gracious, he'll be like, yeah, you can watch Stranger Things. He won't compete for our attention. And he'll lovingly draw us back to the things that are greater. The things that life are really about. These practices, when you begin to do these things, we begin to sense a new power in our lives. The Holy Spirit does this through us. And so that's a breakdown, a little bit of solitude and silence and how I get my heart around that. Even just starting with three hours, you guys, or taking a nap. Being silent, being away from people will bring so much good fruit into your lives. I promise you. A lot of people are afraid of that. They're afraid of what they might hear when they're quiet. 
Let's be a people who are not afraid of what God will speak to us when we really get quiet. We're not afraid of the silence. It's awkward. God might say some things we don't like about us, about where we are, about who we are. But let's lean, instead, let's lean in to those times. Let's lean in to solitude, lean in to silence. Okay, balance. Balance as part of the means for becoming, because this is what we're really after, balance. And I wanted to put this slide up as well, and how we talk about the different spheres of our lives and how Jesus seeks to bring balance to these things. And just how we have them in proper perspective when we are following Jesus into these means for becoming, these spiritual practices, Jesus will bring these things into balance. Let's show it. There you go. Your job, your ministry, your work, your life. Your job is what you get paid to do. I know this seems really simple. <laughs> Hang with me. Your ministry is the part of God's work in our time that he is allotted to you. Your work consists of all the good you will produce in your lifetime. Your life, God is more interested in you than your job or your ministry or your work. God is not after method, he's after people. And so... When we seek balance, we all seek it. We all want this kind of like balance in our lives where we sense God's presence. When these things fall into proper perspective, and they can only do so when we are inviting the, the presence of the kingdom of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, we will experience a new power in our lives when these things are in proper balance. But the only way, the only way that we're able to uh, participate in God's work with the time that we're allotted, the only way that we're able to produce good fruit in our lifetime, the only way um, to do this is by engaging with the Holy Spirit, beholding Him and stepping into these spiritual practices. It's the only way. If you know another way, please let me know. I don't. And so just lining these up for us, and defining them, these spheres of our life, helps us put into perspective what God is really after. He's after our whole lives. He's more interested in us than what we do, what we do for others, or our work. You see that? And so this is discipleship. This is what it means to be an authentic person, someone who is learning how Jesus would live my life if he were me. And I wanted to pray this over you. Um, Don Litchie prayed this over me uh, some months ago, and I wanted to pass this on to you guys. And I believe that this, you don't have to do anything, there's not going to be any words on the screen or anything, um, but he, he, he like gave me a prescription. He was like, one time a day, 
five days, you'll be good to go. <laughs> so if you want this prayer, it's yours. I give it to you tenfold, and if you want a uh, recording of it, I'm happy to give you that as well. But um, all you have to do is receive, and um, and this is this is part of the, this is part of discipleship. This is what it means. And so when when we pray this together, we're inviting God's presence to come and be the most important thing. The most important thing. No hype, no nothing. God's kingdom, Jesus rule in his reign. Jesus is the most important thing. Jesus is the one thing. He's, he's it. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. He's amazing. So some of you, you might want to hold out your hands, receive that way. You're welcome to do whatever you want. But let's pray. Here it is. This is from the Radio Bible Hour. <laughs> I am committed. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I will not look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed vision, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need, here's, here it is, I no longer need preeminence, position, or popularity. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be first. I don't have to be recognized. I don't have to be praised. I don't have to be regarded. I don't have to be rewarded. I'm committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. I now live by faith. I lean in on his presence. I walk with patience. I live by prayer. I labor in love. My face is set. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions may be few, but my guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of adversity. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy. I will not meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up. I won't shut up. I won't let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will go until he comes. I will give till I drop. I will preach until all know. I will work until he stops me. And when he comes, he will find faith and commitment in my life. When he comes, he will have no problem recognizing me. In Jesus' name, Lord, use me today. Amen.